Thank you for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more podcasts, visit brumradio.com. And now, for your listening pleasure, it's the Brum Picture Show. Brought to you by Brum Radio. Ho, ho, ho! And welcome to episode four of the Brum Picture Show on Brum Radio, a weekly film show covering local, independent and world cinema, brought to you by Birmingham-based community cinema collective Screen B14. We put on screenings around the Mosley and Kingsheath area, and now Brum Radio have been kind enough to let us waffle on about films on their station. Now, what's coming up on today's show? Well, as we're coming up to Christmas, today we're going to be stuffing your stockings with ideas for an alternative Christmas. That's right, we're going to be talking about Christmassy films that aren't that Christmassy for those who maybe don't hate the festive period, but are certainly maybe ambivalent. But first of all, it's time to introduce my lovely colleagues. Now, if you listened last week, you may remember that Rory was off networking. Boo! A real brum. But, hmm, can't help but notice someone's come crawling back to the studio. So, um, Rory, I, I assume as you're here now that you still don't have a career. Yeah. Working on it, working on it. Um, shout out to the guys at Real Brum. They didn't have a, uh, a magic bullet for uh, talent. Or, um, yeah. Also, I, I don't like your tone. I came representing the Brum Picture Show at Real Brum. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, I spoke to at least three people. Three about people? It. Yeah. And one of them, I didn't even bring it up. Oh, yeah? So Ooh. two of them, I did bring it up. Oh. And one of them went, oh, you know, you do the Brum Picture Show. I oh, recognise you from the radio. I recognise that, that soothing <laughs> voice. Wow. So so you are already a celebrity. Really, yeah, right? so, yeah, exactly. Right. So, yeah, you know, that's, this is all I needed, it turns out. Why oh. why go aim for anything <laughs> higher than this? Well, that's good. Well, 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 you know, I don't want to brag, but people have said that last episode was the best episode so far. I think you said that. Yeah, I am a person. Um, and and you and who are you, person? Um, well, I am the head programmer for Screen B14. And what's your name? My name's Nadine, and I'm a filmmaker in my own right. Uh, I don't need to go to networking night. <laughs> no, no, I actually really wanted to go to networking night, but I am a key holder, and if I wasn't here, no one would have been able to get into the studio. Right. So I had to give up my my right to go to to the real brum networking event but i just want to say in all seriousness it's good to have you back rory i'm not a woody allen fan but if you've ever seen vicky christina barcelona there's a little speech that penelope cruz gives and she said you know sometimes the body needs certain things and it doesn't function well without them you know vitamins and minerals and you're like our salt rory Without you, we would die. <laughs> <laughs> that was the nicest thing anyone has ever said to me. So coming up in the show, we are going to be discussing alternative Christmas films and we're going to have a review section of things that we've seen recently. And coming up next will be the news section. But first of all, we need to get serious here on the Brand Picture Show and seriously apologise for something. Now, last week... We were talking about Ridley Scott 
And in that discussion about Ridley Scott, we wrongly said that South Shields, Ridley Scott's hometown, was in Yorkshire. I'm so sorry. I dropped the ball on that one. Apparently so. So this led to us performing an impression of Ridley Scott in a, well, my attempt at a Yorkshire accent. And that has been described as, at best, a travesty and, at worst, a hate crime. So we have been angrily informed that South Shields is not in Yorkshire, it is in the metropolitan county of Tyne and Weir, and historically, County Durham. And therefore, we would like to apologise profusely to the people of both of those counties. So it turns out that our impression of Ridley Scott should have actually sounded like this. Why I man? Why I man? Why I man? I'm Ridley Scott, me! <laughs> F off! <laughs> what has happened no, here? No, this is serious. I've seen the kids of Biker Grove. That is a gang. We do not want Anton Deck, P- PJ and Duncan on our cases. No, no, no Ridley Scott. Or, or, or Cheryl Cole. I've got to say, this the one week I'm not here, <laughs> this show is a threatened being cancelled. <laughs> And I thought I was going to be the cause of that. I mean... Or at least Paul. (laughs) That sounds like it's your doing. I'd also like to sincerely apologise to Mr Andrews, my geography teacher. Obviously, your lessons didn't sink in. I I thought Ridley Scott was from Yorkshire. I I didn't know where County Durham was is and I've, I've been educated now. So thank you um, for all those who, who wrote in to correct us. So many people. So, so many. The, the, the inbox was flooded. It was full. We had to delete old emails just to, just to let in the torrent of hate. Yeah. This is the hate I wanted. Exactly. <laughs> and you weren't even here to provoke it. Oh, so anyway. Typical. So that's a shame. But Nadine, do we have any other listener emails? We do. We have two emails from the same person. I, they're quite keen, I think, to get on the air. Go on. And this is and this is not the first email they've sent us. <laughs> this is worrying me. Do you know a, a Chris or a, a Skip? I do believe I have encountered in my life a Chris or a Skip. A, a Chris also named Skip. Why? What's he got to say for himself? Well, he says... Hi again, film friends. Hope we're all shipshape and groovy. I don't know if Skip's short for Skipper, um, but his emails tend to have quite a nautical uh, tone to them. In terms of Paul's attempted controversy, Spaceballs is genuinely regarded as a weak Mal Brooks movie and spent so long with rights issues, it arrived long after the Star Wars zeitgeist. On that note, they were not allowed to use Han Solo's likeness, which is why the character of Lone Star is dressed as Indiana Jones instead. Muppets Christmas Carol, all very in keeping in with today's show, is a masterpiece and actually financially saved Henson Productions and the first film made after Jim's death. My friend's dad happened to play the ghost of Christmas Present too. Anyway, good to know that Hovis was a real breadwinner for Ridley Uh. and I remember the chocolate commercial, so perhaps Paul's memory is a little flaky. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Totally agree. 
an alien versus aliens. But Ridley is a far superior filmmaker to Cameron, who is more of an FX showcaser in lieu of quality. Looking at you, Avatar. Oh, well. Ooh. Only about <laughs> 10 minutes into today's episode, but feel I've waffled long enough, so I'll cap it off. It. Looking forward, as ever, to the next episode. The I- Sorry, the idea of pausing the episode... 10 minutes in to construct this email and then unpausing it. It's incredible to me. I don't know whether to be flattered or deeply concerned. Wow, that wasn't the last we heard from Chris Skip. Oh my goodness. Um, Just a quick thank you, Nadine, for choosing the director's cut of Kingdom of Heaven. Mm. It's a completely different movie and far superior. Couldn't agree more, Chris Skip, Chris. Orlando is still the weak link, but I don't rate him as an actor. The DVD box set extras are so interesting, and I guess that's where you got your Siege Tower fact. What a ridiculous supporting cast and a true epic. And I have to say, Chris, skip Chris. (laughs) You are right. I did get my Siege Tower fact from um, the extras and the DVD, and and they're well worth watching. Mm. Um, They really go into quite a deep dive into sort of... It's quite interesting, actually, like how the studio interfered. Like, it's surprising that that's actually on the official DVD (laughs) extras. Um, But, you know, obviously, they were happy enough to sort of commission the director's cut not long after the theatrical came out. So I guess they're all friends in the end. Uh, But yes, thank you for that, Chris. Oh, that's nice. And I suppose, you know, DVD extras are quite a reasonable place to get facts from. You're not going to get it from, I don't know, a book. It's the, the 21st century, man. Yeah, man. Uh, mind you, DVDs. Well, yeah. <laughs> Not a thing. <laughs> the yeah. 20th century. Yeah, remember DVD extras, guys? Remember? Yeah. <laughs> remember? Well, they were my first film school. So if, you, if you're thinking about if you're thinking about going to uni to study film, I would say save your money, get some cheap DVDs uh, off eBay or wherever uh, and, and just watch them. Because that's that's you probably learn a lot more about filmmaking that way. No, it, it's it's true. I'm sure the filmmakers' parents would be very happy to hear that advice, uh, Nadine. <laughs> well, um, I mean, thanks, Chris, for sending that in. I suppose. Yeah, try and keep your your emails to one per episode, maybe. Just yeah, make, that would just help. <laughs> li- listen to the whole thing and then tell us your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> but we appreciate. We appreciate the fact that you've taken the trouble to get in touch. So, so bless you. Okay, well, I guess it's now time to be moving on for a brief little look at the news. And, uh, well, i got to say, I was having a little scroll through the news and it does seem like slim pickings at the moment. I don't know whether that's because it's coming up to Christmas or something. But I saw a few things that seems like vaguely interesting news stories. This ties in with our Christmassy theme. This week, apparently Olivia Wilde is set to direct a Christmas comedy called Naughty with Margot Robbie's Lucky Chap Production Company. It is described as bridesmaids, but in the North Pole. Now, I don't care much for bridesmaids. I, I quite like the North Pole. I've never been, but it seems seems quite quite snowy and nice. Um, certainly Christmassy, so so that's good. I I I didn't think that. Don't worry, darling. Her her last film that was more of a news story than a than a film in the end. Uh, I didn't think it was 
as bad as as a as a lot of people said. I thought it was yeah, like a, a nice you know flawed Twilight Zone episode that went on a bit too long. But um, Bookstart was a masterpiece. Uh, so hopefully it will be a return to form and be more of a a film and less of a, a gossip column. Yeah. So that that that's my hope for that one. Fingers um, crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, another news story that I saw was Oscar Isaac has been pictured carrying a Christmas tree. Ooh. That was that was literally the story. Wow. wow. Um, it was a picture, I'm, I'm shocked. Yeah, a picture of Oscar Isaac carrying a Christmas tree in black and white. Another one, my last one, uh, the first poster for Alex Garland's Civil War has been released and the Ooh. trailer is forthcoming for that. Now, he is one of my favourite directors. I don't think he's really put a set wrong, but I must... Um, uh, men? Uh, men was um, rubbish I, I loved men men was amazing men was amazing I, I love men but I did not love men <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that was a really good cinematic experience for me because I, I went to see men when I was working in Cornwall and it was a beautiful summer's day and I was the only person in the screening <laughs> literally and I was just sitting there going oh I wish I was watching this with an audience because often I like having the screen to myself like yeah. I went to see Clint Eastwood's Cry Macho and uh, I had the screen to myself for that and I thought well I'm glad I'm here because uh, it would be a really sad thought that Clint Eastwood who I love uh, his his new film would be playing to an empty cinema but Men has like one of the most bonkers third acts I've ever seen <laughs> that Rory, Rory and Nadine yeah. are just shaking their heads and it was something that I, I wish I could just hear an audience go what is this yeah um, that's exactly so, the noise I made watching it yeah well anyway with, with a few I, more expletives I yeah. <laughs> well I, I respectfully disagree with you both on that one I thought it was great uh, so yeah he is one of my favourite directors and uh, his new film, Civil War, is going to be coming out soon. Anyway, anything else in the news? Yes, there's some news that might affect our Birmingham cinema lovers. The Omniplex Cinema Group, Ireland's largest cinema company, has announced that it will open a rebranded cinema in Birmingham on the 6th of December um, after acquiring the former Empire Cinema location. Um, so those of you who were in, you know dire need of another omniplex you know your prayers have been answered but it's it's actually a good thing i think you know we we don't like to see any cinemas closing whether they're in independence or whether they're part of a chain um so i think that's great news um for those who, who've been missing their empire cinema in birmingham so nadine where is this new cinema located um so it's at the former empire cinema location at great park rubery well, thanks. That was very interesting indeed, Nadine. Oh, I have another news. Another news. I have another news. So one of my favourite controversial uncles of cinema, Paul Schrader. Uncle Paul. Paul is quite famous for using Facebook as his kind of diatribe outlet. And if you don't know who Paul is, he wrote Taxi Driver and Raging Bull and he directed American Gigolo and a number of other films. Um, first reformed and he describes his own films as as like men in rooms writing in diaries basically so basically him write, writing his diatribes onto Facebook and uh, he's he's he must have been listening to last week's show Paul because he's seen Saltburn oh. and, he wanted, and he wanted to give an opinion on it did he know uh, unfortunately his, his was not so generous he says uh, it's a bad film 
He thinks it's a rip-off of the talented Mr Ripley. He described Barry Keoghan as being plain, which mm. I do take issue with. You could say a lot of things about Barry Keoghan, but I wouldn't call him plain. I would say he's quite striking. Mm. So he's, he's described it as a, a basically a lesser version of the talented Mr Ripley. And when questioned about this slightly withering review... He said, instead of withering, you could say a slightly accurate review. So, mm. uh, mm. Mm. gloves are off. That Paul Schrader. Wow. Another bit of news about Paul, he is a Swifty. Oh. He is obsessed with Taylor Swift, genuinely, like to the point where it's a little bit scary. Mm. Like he, 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 he adores her. He thinks she's the best thing since sliced bread. So, you yeah. know, a man, a complicated man, a man of many... Um, <laughs> he loved. He did love Promising Young Woman. He thought that was a great film, but he didn't have any time for Saltburn. Do you think he's ever gone to a film and gone, that was okay? Hmm. Um, he feels like a man who's who's never worn gloves. The gloves are always. Yeah, gloves. yeah. He does like to speak in extremes. Like he, he, the the Twitter account of his Facebook updates is just a, a, a glorious thing to follow. It really, it really is because yeah. he's, he's he's like. Uh, He's like extreme Ridley Scott in the the cantankerous thing. He makes Ridley Scott look like a cuddly little bunny rabbit, doesn't he? He does, he does. Very good. Anything else? Anything else in the news? Catch your eye, Rory. Yeah, I've got got some news. I've got some news. Um, The Little Theatre Cinema in Bath, this is on the BBC website, basically they had a, a screening for Elf in which... Uh, owners were accompanied <laughs> accompanied by their dogs or dogs were accompanied by their owners um, mm. yeah that, that was on the BBC website right yeah mm. for, for Elf for Elf Don't it seems a bit like a marketing ploy that almost <laughs> as groundbreaking as Oscar Isaac and his Christmas tree indeed <laughs> what's more what's more boring as a uh, as a news piece Oscar Isaac and his Christmas tree <laughs> or I don't know the idea of a load I don't know, I haven't seen that picture of Oscar Isaac with his Christmas tree. I mean, it's a good picture, man. He's carrying that Christmas tree well. But the key here, the the person, Tom Fraser, uh, from from the cinema, he said this, uh, normally they have to leave them at home, that's the dogs, to go to events like this, but we wanted to be inclusive as possible. (laughs) Oh my That's God. from Tom. There well, we go. A right. trailblazer, well, I would say. So. Do, do, does he charge double? Like, do the dogs have to pay as well as the owners? <laughs> yeah, and do the dogs sit on a t- sit on a seat like next or to their, their owner or on I their think laps? The de- this could be a money maker. This could through. be a racket. The article really left out some details. <laughs> you want more information? <laughs> if you know whether dogs have to pay separately, uh, do email us in at pictureshow at brumradio.com. Wow. Well, that's top quality film journalism right there all round, I'd say. Thank you. Thanks, thanks Paul. <laughs> Over to you. Now it is time for our main feature. And as I mentioned before, this week we are talking about alternative Christmas films. Films that are Christmassy, but not that Christmassy. So we're not talking about anti-Christmas films, you know, we're not talking about films for people who absolutely hate Christmas. We're talking about films that you, you know, you don't necessarily think of as a Christmas film, um, but they are nevertheless Christmassy. 
Would you agree with that, Nadine? Yeah, yeah. Christmas films for people who don't like Christmas films, I call it. All right, that's good. But first of all, let's have a have a bit of a, a general chat about Christmas. Uh, do we like Christmas? Yeah, I love Christmas, man. Yeah. I'm a Christmas yeah. guy. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I mean, I don't have a Christmas jumper. And so I actually feel quite left out when it's like, wear your Christmas jumper to work day because no one's ever bought me a Christmas jumper. So... You know, what about me? You could buy yourself one. (laughs) No, but like, you can can buy yourself a Christmas jumper. That is possible, yeah. I thought your grand had to knit it for you. (laughs) I thought your grandma had to knit them for you. No, I was, in fact, we were having this conversation just the other day in Screen B14 and I was talking to our chair, Ben. We may meet in a future episode about what I like to watch at Christmas and all my Christmassy films, it was all like really silly things. But I do have this tradition of watching a TV show called North and South, which I love. But it's not in any way Christmassy. Like it's not set at Christmas. Somebody mentions the word Christmas once. Mm. And there's a lot of, it's all, it's like set in this mill and this, this cotton mill. And there's all this fluff flying about and it looks like snow. And it does snow once. And I think that is literally like why are connected to Christmas and it's a tradition and every year I have to watch it and I was describing it to Ben and my friends at Screen B14 and saying how it's about all these Victorians and they keep dying off and and then another one dies and then this man nearly sets the mill on fire and there's a lot of union stuff going on this is really really Christmassy hmm. Christmassy stuff there um, but then when I actually thought about it I realised no I do have a proper traditional Christmas film that I have to watch and I, in fact I insist on watching it at Christmas hmm. much to the kind of you know chagrin of my family and that is The Snowbird The, very, the, the Snowman The Snowman yeah, what, sorry, the, the I've got Michael, Michael Fassbender no, 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 not that snowman. The 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 original snowman. It's so quaint, and I ha- I despise quaintness, but it's so quaint with its hand drawn quality. It's actually directed by a woman, I believe, uh, which is quite radical back then. There's there's still not many female um, directors of animation, and it's so beautiful, and it's just so ubiquitous. It's not Christmas unless I watch The Snowman. If I go through Christmas and I haven't watched The Snowman, and I'm not talking about The Snowman and The Snow Dog people, I'm talking about the original Snowman, not talking about The Polar Bear or even Father Christmas, none of these. It's got to be the original 80s. Not only has it got to be the original 80s version of The Snowman, but it's got to be introduced by David Bowie. Because, on yes, on my VHS version that I watched repeatedly as a child, David Bowie introduced the snowman. It's the snowman, I people. knew. <laughs> and did you know, if you've not seen David Bowie introduce the snowman, then you don't realise that it's actually about him as a child. What? Yes. David Bowie introduces the snowman. He has a scarf. He has a, a Christmas jumper. With He has a Christmas jumper. I don't have one. David Bowie has one with little snowmen on. And uh, tells tells us about a time when he was a boy and he made a snowman and all this magical. Wow. So this, yes. Must be about him. Must be about him. It is about you him. <laughs> so, he had a scarf. So you can't fully appreciate the snowman without realising it's about David Bowie's childhood. And if you don't believe me, Please look it up on YouTube. 
Wow. Was he the man who invented snowmen? <laughs> He's the boy. <laughs> so that is that is my genuine traditional proper Christmas Christmas film. So so Rory, any traditional Christmas films for you that take up the you know Christmas time? Uh, there's a few a few ones like When Harry Met Sally. I like, mm. I feel, is that I like, Christmassy? Well, not yeah. There's a bit of Christmas. It was New Year's, and there's a bit of Christmas. It goes through right. the seasons. Okay, it's not specifically a Christmas film. Mm. Um, yeah, well, I just love that film. So that um, yeah, what did I watch? Brief Encounter. I think I watched. That's yeah. not a Christmas film. Yeah, this is, you're not really answering the question. Yeah. No, these are just films I watched <laughs> coincidentally around that time. <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas. That's too scary. I, oh. I never like that. And then, and then you have to get into the debate of whether it's a Christmas film or a Halloween film. It's yeah. both, for goodness sake. That's just not a debate that needs to be had anymore. Well, that's, that's the... Isn't that so clever that they made a film that you can watch twice a year? Yes. <laughs> Within six weeks of each other. <laughs> and I do. Uh, that is a great ploy. Well, yeah, I suppose my Christmas... Well, you know my Christmas tradition, the Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, yeah, it's it's just amazing. And also nowadays, um, I, I guess Paddington has become quite a, quite a, a Christmas staple and uh, very much enjoyed watching the new Mary Poppins film last year, which I'm not sure has got Christmas in it, but it was Christmassy. It felt yeah. Christmassy anyway. That was good, actually. Yeah, yeah, I, I, blunt, yeah. yeah I thoroughly enjoyed it. Watched it at my grandparents' house and we all had a nice time. Well, I guess uh, we should probably move on to actually talking about what we're, we're supposed yeah. to be talking about. That's enough actual Christmas. We're here to talk about alternative Christmas stuff. So yeah. we're each going to choose our alternative Christmas film. And first up is Nadine. So Nadine, what have you chosen for your alternative Christmas film? Well, you know, this is a film that's so Christmassy. It may have sort of gone the sort of diehard route and it, and it might be just silly to even mention it and that's eyes wide shot obviously it's a christmas movie it's everybody's favorite christmas movie isn't it tom cruise and nicole kidman yeah and their sad marriage (laughs) 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 and 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 stuff going on at the elite mansion that we Mm -hmm. won't mention at this time Mm. on a saturday but uh certainly puts the x into xmas the triple x into Mm. xmas perhaps Unless you're watching the TV version where they've CGI'd clothing onto people. Really? I should watch that. To be honest, this is going to sound silly since this is my pick. I'm not a big fan of nudity in films. You prude. Look. That was my main complaint about Oppenheimer. (laughs) There wasn't enough nudity. They're all like, oh, there's going to be all this nudity in Florence Pugh. Where's this nudity? Barely anything. Rubbish. Two stars. Um... No, that's not why I want to talk about it. What I find really fascinating about Eyes Wide Shot, apart from it being sort of a, a sort of live disintegration of the Cruz Kidman marriage, hmm. that many people have said, and I don't know if this is true, but many people have said this is the film that broke their marriage. I don't know if that's the truth, but that's how, that's what a lot of people read into it. It certainly did put a lot of pressure on them, especially with Kubrick's notorious, you know, multiple takes. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm interested in talking about is um, kind of like Stanley Kubrick's um, The Shining. There's a lot of conspiracy theories and a lot of fan theories around this film. Mm. And what is more Christmassy than a conspiracy theory? <laughs> so, I mean, it's it doesn't have quite as as you know as much as The Shining, 
which I've heard like so many, like there's so many theories about The Shining that they literally made a documentary on it. But there's some interesting ones. One of the prevalent ones is that Kubrick was onto something so dark and so kind of mind-blowing when it comes to the elites that rule the world mm. um, that they took him out. Yes, because this is... <laughs> yeah, no, no, honestly, <laughs> honestly. It wasn't the fact that he was a morbidly this, obese 70-odd-year-old no, no, man. He, right. he was onto some stuff, man. <laughs> You you scuff away. He was about to expose some some elites out there, the Illuminati, if you will, because he was a researcher. We all know he was really meticulous with his research. There was some stuff that he wanted to get out there, and that and this was the last film he ever made, and he died before it was released. So the version that we have is not his version. This is the version the studio put out. And there are scenes that we may never see in the director's cut. Stanley Kubrick's original vision that probably went just a little too far for the elites and their weird parties at their mansions. And that's... And and I'm not saying this. I'm not saying... Please don't come at me, elites, with your whatever you did to Stanley or didn't do. I'm not saying this. This is just what I've heard. This is just what... People on the internet are saying. Um, but yeah, I just find that quite fascinating. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's based on Arthur Schnitzler's dream story, um, which I believe is, is called um, Traum Novel or something in the original German, which I just want to bring up because I was wa- walking past the German Christmas market in Birmingham the other day mm. and I saw a sign for um, Chocolate Traum. And chocolate trauma. That yes, sounds like a good yes. description of it, the German that's market. That's how I like to think of it as a chocolate trauma. No trauma. In, I don't know if I'm pronouncing the alternate title for a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> chocolate trauma. Um, it sounds like my typical Christmas. A chocolate trauma, to be honest. No trauma. I'm not. Apologies if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly. Is German for dream. And if you're a fan of Shutter Island, you'll know it's also for wound. Oh, so that's that's just a little fun fact there. <laughs> um, little fun. Christmassy based chocolate trauma, um, but yeah, it's it's based on a, a, a novella, I believe that um, that Stanley Kubrick had read. Some of it's a little closer to the novel. Obviously, Kubrick modernised it. He set it in New York. Interestingly enough, he set it in New York, but filmed it all in England, mm-hmm. including. All the shots of Tom Cruise walking around New York streets, which I have to say, when the first couple of times I watched this film, didn't notice at all, but were all filmed in a studio with yeah, rear projection. Real, yeah, because um, yeah, Kubrick famously uh, had a lot in common with Mr. T. He wasn't getting on no planes and filmed pretty much all of his films. All of his films, including The Shining. Okay, the aerial shots with the helicopters were shot in America. And also reused in Blade Runner. Exactly. Ah. Tying it in with last week's show. Um, but yeah, so Kubrick just, he lived in the UK, was from America, didn't like getting into planes, filmed the whole of Full Metal Jacket in the UK. Mm-hmm. So all those scenes in Vietnam, Thames Estuary, planted palm trees. Along, and this is not a joke. 
this is tr- the truth. Mm. Like, wouldn't get in a plane. Let's turn the Thames Estuary into Vietnam. But yeah, that was just something I want to talk about. But in, mm. in terms of the Christmassy thing, it is the look of it is so Christmassy. There's these beautiful twinkling lights in practically every scene, and there's big Christmas parties. Nicole Kidman is wearing some amazing Christmas outfits. When she's got clothes on, <laughs> um, and and you know, and it ends in a kind of in a in a Christmas sort of um, uh, shopping sort of store with with te- giant. It's got like the world's largest teddy bear in it. So there's like there's Christmas all around us. It's you know, Christmas is sort of dripping off the walls uh, in this film. So so it does give you in a, in a weird sense a very Christmassy feel, even if the story. It's not your typical Christmas fable. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's why it's my pick. Um, because, like I said, what's more Christmassy than conspiracy theories, a disintegrating Hollywood marriage and some twinkly lights. <laughs> well, that's a beautiful pick, Nadine. Yeah, it's been a while since I've I've seen it. But uh, I, do, I do enjoy it very much. It's, um, it's one that is oft maligned, I think, by some people. But... Uh, I you think know. it's been reevaluated. I think when it was originally released, the critics did not care for it. They didn't find it sort of, I guess, serious enough um, to be a work of Kubrick. They didn't understand all the, the adult themes. Uh, I think people are coming round to it now. Uh, and obviously they, they didn't know about all the conspiracy stuff that was deeply no. hidden in there. Interesting. So why didn't the conspiracy nuts, you know, get after Kubrick for admitting he faked the the moon landing with The Shining? Because that was obviously, that wasn't just subtext, that was text in that film, wasn't it? Maybe it was accumulative. Mm. Maybe this was the last straw. He's given away too much. Yeah. Well, poor Stanley, taken too soon. So I'm going to talk about, again, something that's not really that, alternative because it is literally set at christmas but still it's not one that often comes up as people just going oh yes let's watch this it's a christmas film and that is the green knight from 2021 it's a really beautifully shot film and i think it's it's a masterpiece that should have been far more successful than it actually was um i genuinely think it's an all-time classic and of course i do because it's from the ever amazing a24 our favourite film production A23? slash distributors. <laughs> or, or as Ridley Scott says, A23. Bless him. He's, oh, a, bless he's, a, he's a fan. But yeah, they make the best films. It's directed by David Lowry, who made The Old Man and the Gun with Robert Redford, which is a wicked film. And also A Ghost Story, if you remember that, with... Um, I do, Casey Affleck. Casey Affleck going around um, in a white sheet. Yeah. Love that film. And it's, a, yeah, a wonderful film about grief and the best depiction of eating a pie ever committed to celluloid, if you remember that. Someone eats a pie in it for a really it's long seven time. seven minutes, isn't it's, it? I think it literally is. It's not, just... not as good as Barry Keoghan eating spaghetti in Killing of a Sacred Deer. I don't no. remember that bit. Oh, my God. Does it last it's... for seven minutes? No, but it doesn't need to. Okay. It's, it says what it needs to say in... in well, it could last for a second. I haven't timed it, Paul. All right, all right. Um, well, but it, time it, but it's it and quite, um, come back to us. It's, it's, yeah, it's, just, it's a sight to behold. I'm, I'm intrigued. So refresh my memory about this, he about the spaghetti. Eats, he just eats, he eats some spaghetti. spaghetti. It's got sauce on it. He gets the sauce all over his face and he talks about his father who died. Spoiler right. alert, people who haven't seen the film. And he talks about how... Didn't know there'd be spaghetti in this. <laughs> it's ruined. <laughs> but he talks about how we, people 
um, people would say to him that he eats spaghetti just like his father. And then how he realised afterwards that everybody eats spaghetti the same. But I posit nobody eats spaghetti quite like Barry Keoghan in that <laughs> film. Uh, hopefully not, because they'd make an awful mess if they did. Mm. Um, but yeah, sorry. Sorry to derail. Well, no, no, no. I, I encourage you derailing it extra. <laughs> I was genuinely intrigued. I'm going to have to revisit Killing of a Sacred Deer because I love that film as well. But, and you love spaghetti. And I love spaghetti. Oh Yet goodness. somehow spaghetti wasn't my main takeaway from that film. It was it's my main takeaway today. <laughs> uh, we did eat some, some uh, spaghetti anyway. lentil ragu earlier. But anyway, eating a pie was definitely my main takeaway from, uh, from a ghost story. Um, no, it's, it's an amazing film. I, I, I thoroughly recommend it. But anyway, The Green Knight. It's directed by David Lowry and adapted from the 14th century poem Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. And Dev Patel plays Gawain, nephew of the king. He's a bit of a wastrel, uh, needs to prove his worthiness, so his mother summons the Green Knight to sort him out. And the Green Knight turns up at Christmas time and says that uh, anyone who lands a blow on him will win his green axe. Uh, but the caveat is that next year at Christmas time, he's going to come back and return the blow. Ooh. Ooh. And then, and so ensues an epic adventure of fantasy, intrigue, and most excitingly, a talking fox. Not Ooh. a disturbing talking fox like Fantastic Mr. Fox, if you remember our Wes Anderson episode, but I'd say, you know, pretty decent fox. Do you remember the fox? Um, very vaguely. Yeah, I remember the giants that uh, reminded me of uh, the Attack on Titan anime. They were quite disturbing. The naked giants just uh, sort of wandering yes. around. Yes, yes, I remember that. Okay, very good. Well, I remember the fox. Do you remember the giants? Rory, have you seen it? I saw the first 20 minutes. What do you remember do you from remember? the first 20 minutes? Um, did some, some, he cut the guy's head off and, uh, and then he's offered a, uh, like a, a challenge, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Like, what was the like challenge? Yeah. yeah. It was the quest. And I, and I thought at that point, which is why I, I turned it off, I thought, I, I hate quests. I probably wouldn't accept it. <laughs> <laughs> this just isn't I believable just no. it just felt a bit you know I'd rather not wow okay. just live my so life so, so that's when I yeah that's when I wow and so, I know that film means so much to you that's probably hard to hear yeah. <laughs> but that's yeah I do think it's beautifully shot it yeah shot. well that's one of that's one of the things I wanted to say mainly about it is it's just astonishing how amazing this film looks it is it is beautiful and it cost 15 million dollars to make and, Which and, isn't much. Um, no, I think that is incredible yeah. what they've done on that budget. Yeah. And it is so distinctive visually. Mm -hmm. um, it's very art. It's a it's an art house movie, you'd say, wouldn't you? I guess so, but I don't know. I feel like I don't it's, know, it's not for a. Ca I don't think it's for casual viewers. But it's got a talking fox. Is is that is that what the casual that's viewer? That's my criteria for a mainstream film. If you have got a talking fox in it, you're you're in. See, as as a uh, what would probably be the represent or what I've been accused of as the representation of the casual <laughs> viewer. <laughs> <laughs> that fox wasn't in the first twenty minutes. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> you got to bring that the fox true. in early. Yeah. I like the decapitation. That I was nice. We, yeah, yeah. The fox got to we come in We needed more fucks. I think that was the problem. And no I like quests. the snow. <laughs> There's lots of like weird shots of just snow. Yeah, yeah. That's quite Christmassy. No, it is. Yeah, it's it's a lovely film. I think it looks gorgeous. The set design and everything that, you know, they use, they use matte painting, which is just really cool and, you know, very minimal uh, digital effects. And uh, yeah. I just think the tone's great because it's it's really dark, but also quite funny. And apparently, uh, Lowry directed Ralph Ineson or Einson, I don't know, who plays the Green Knight to play a little bit like Santa Claus. So mm. I don't know. I just thought I just thought it was an incredibly enjoyable enjoyable romp and lovely to look at, and and Christmassy. So there you go. That is what I would watch this Christmas time. Fair. I think I might give it another go. What do you think, Rory? Yeah. Get, no, you get won't some talking know, facts. He's such a liar. <laughs> such I, a liar. I think I actually will now. Yeah, 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 yeah. let's all watch it Now that the fox has been introduced. Yeah. 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 Well, that was my pick. The Green Knight from 2021, directed by David Lowry. Watch it. So, Rory, what is your alternative Christmas pick? Um, so my alternative Christmas pick is Gremlins. I don't know. Is it alternative enough? I mean, it is so. Uh, it is very Christmassy. It's extremely Christmassy. But I don't know. You, it's mm. quite sad. It's not. Yeah, I think let's let's allow it. It's a dark Christmas yeah, film. That's yeah, for sure. You're not yeah. necessarily going to watch it with the family. I don't know, my mum loves it. Actually, yeah, my yeah. mum would insist on watching it. So, so you might say that you've completely misunderstood the brief. But um, yeah, it's quite depressing. There's mm. the story. Well, I don't want to get into it, but the, a young girl tells a story about her dad. Yeah, in it. Yeah. That I just find so depressing. Yeah, it's one of the darkest stories. Yeah, it's one of the darkest <laughs> Christmas films. I think I think you've outdone us with with dark Christmas, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So um, so yeah, no, go on, Rory. You've you've you've. I, I apologise. You've fulfilled the brief perfectly. Talk cool. about Gremlins. Uh, so, now, so have you ever um when you've when you've got a present under the tree. And you've uh, opened it up, and it's this thing that's really cute mm. and that uh, you love. Mm. And um, but then that thing ends up trying to kill your entire family and your community yeah. around you. It's really annoying when that yeah, happens. Are you talking about my cat? Yeah. Talking about mine. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's your cat's name? Flea. This is for Flea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So if that's ever happened to you, then you would relate to this film. Um, but maybe you would relate to this film just in terms of getting a disappointing gift. Mm. Um, I don't know. But it's basically about... is So is this kid's dad is uh, bought... He's gone to this uh, Chinese man's shop and he's uh, he's tried to buy this thing called a Mogwai. Mogwai. A Mogwai. A Mowgli. Mogwai. A Mogwai. Is it a Mogwai? It's a Mogwai. Yeah, it's definitely a Mogwai. Like, like the post-rock band, Mogwai. Yeah. Okay, Mogwai. That's, that didn't that reference didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this extremely niche <laughs> thing you might have heard of. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Cheers, Paul. Uh, I heard of you. Uh, and and then the guy doesn't want to give it to him because it's it's you know it's a it's a disaster waiting for happen on Christmas Day. Mm. Uh, but then he, I think his grandson sells it to him on the side. Um, yeah, like when he comes out right. and then he gives it to him. But he, and, and there's lo- there's all these rules. The rules are 
You should uh, never expose it to light because that, that that kills it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should never uh, put water on it because then it multiplies. And uh, and then the biggest thing is you should never feed it after midnight. Mm-hmm. Now I remember w- watching this at sort of t- maybe ten years old, and even at that point thinking, "But won't you always eat after midnight?" Yeah, mm-hmm. so I had how the does same. It eat? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, at what point time, is it allowed yeah. to eat? What if he's on a plane? How yeah. does that work? Yeah, right. I never you, went. You but. didn't think about this, did you, Joan Dante? <laughs> yeah, but no, apparently they did. Because the rules, the three rules actually came, it wasn't in the original script, it was. It came during the production of it. Mm. And then they were worried about that. Oh, right. So then they screened it, um, and then to, and to get feedback, and no one cared. No one cared. <laughs> so they were like, cool, let's just, let's just do that. So that was quite interesting. Yeah. Um, and um, I think it, it was released as a PG, but they created the PG-13 mm. uh, from Gremlins, as well as uh, Temple of Doom. Um, because because right. they felt like microwaving a uh, like a gremlin was a bit too graphic. Yeah, and yeah. putting one in a blender. I love yeah. a, I love revisiting eighties children's films because you think ah oh, you know I've I've got a daughter and I, I went back and watched a, a lot of films with her that I watched as a child mm. and you get to certain bits like like microwaving um, beloved creatures and you're like. I don't know if this is a kids' yeah. film. Is it a kids' film? There's also quite a lot of swearing in my eighties. And, like and, 80s, and 80s a lot of casual nudity yeah. <laughs> in films that I watched as kids. That I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, um, interesting, interesting fact there. Rose. There you go. Mm. But um, yeah, no, I've um, I have, I do I think I don't watch that every Christmas, but um, yeah, mm. I've, I've I've watched it. Yeah. If your uh, if your Christmases are full of sort of you know, family conflicts and, um, you know, chaos and, yeah, relationships breaking down. Maybe you would relate to that film also. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> that brings you back to Christmas. <sighs> yeah, nothing Everyone more Christmassy. Sighed, didn't <laughs> nothing more Christmassy than, than family conflict, is there? <laughs> exactly. Um, but maybe goodness. watching Gremlins can bring them all together. Yeah. Um, well, that's a lovely thought, isn't it? No, no, but no, but solid, solid pick, Rory. That is, um, yeah. Dark, amusing, and and it's got some fluffy creatures in it, and, and some, some ugly, sticky ones as well. Exactly. Well, I guess that just about wraps up our uh, our main feature on uh, alternative Christmas films. So, if you would like to uh, add your thoughts to this to this discussion, please do email us at pictureshow at brumradio dot com, or get at us on our social medias at screenb fourteen on all the main ones and hashtag Brum Picture Show. Yeah, please do. You are listening to the Brum Picture Show on Brum Radio, and we've just been talking about our alternative Christmas films, and now we're just going to be talking about the general films that we've seen recently, either at the cinema or at home. So, who's going to go first on this one? I watched May, December, directed by Todd Haynes. It's uh, now available on Now TV for all you streaming fans. And it's starring Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore. And it's kind of... It's a woman who has become notorious um, in a very tabloid, scandally way uh, for her very inappropriate relationship with a 13-year-old when she was in her 30s. He's grown up now... 
they're married, they've got kids. This isn't a spoiler, this is all in the beginning of the film. And Natalie Portman is, is an actress and plans to play this woman who's portrayed by Julianne Moore in an upcoming film based on their story, based on their love story, if you, if you call it a love story. Some people have called this a camp film. Todd Haynes disagrees with that label. I'm not so sure. I think definitely the soundtrack is very, it's very TV movie from the 90s in a really kind of odd way. And there's some really weird moments that feel comedic that you're not expecting earlier. I mean, there's a moment where Julianne Moore opens a fridge and there's this, <laughs> that sounds odd. She opens a fridge and there's this, the music is so melodramatic as she opens the fridge to find that there isn't any hot dogs or whatever, whatever it is that's going on. And it's just like, if that isn't camp, I don't know what is. But I think, if anything, it makes it makes the movie. I like. I quite like that it's a little bit off. Mm. And it's very, it's got this very dreamy kind of atmospheric cinematography. It's in the south. It's it's kind of a little bit reminiscent of Sofia Coppola's The Beguiled. All these shots of sort of these this light leaking into the lenses, sort of, but in a very, again, in a sort of over the top way. It's almost it's almost too much. And I wonder if that's to tie in with this kind of tabloid, scandally, you know, TV movie fodder um, subject matter uh, that the film is is based on. It's actually inspired by some some real life um, stuff. But yeah, I thought it was a really good film. At the same time, I don't know if I'd watch it many times again. But if you like something that's a bit sort of, if you like a bit of glorious trash, and I do, and me and my sister love a bit of glorious trash, um, then I think it's worth watching. It takes a very trashy, tabloidy subject matter, uh, but plays it a little bit more seriously. So, yeah, I'd recommend that. And I also watched, interestingly enough, To Die For... Uh, which is on ITVX, another Nicole Kidman film uh, with Joaquin Phoenix as well. And I only mention that because I feel like they cover some very similar ground. So, you know, both about older women, quite manipulative, having relationships with younger men, many with two, well, I wouldn't even call them men with children, let's face it. And, and sort of, yeah, the fallout of that, I guess. I felt they were covering very similar territory, very different tones, I think. Absolutely loved, loved uh, Nicole Kidman's wardrobe in To Die For, I have to say. Um, although I felt it was very... I have the same gripe with it that I have with a lot of modern films in that it's very plot-based. And I don't mind quite a fast-paced film, but I just... We, I, f I felt like we never sat with the characters for very long and it was just kind of getting through the story getting through the story which I would say is something that I couldn't say about May December which feels very much a character piece love Joaquin Phoenix performance in it I am a Joaquin fangirl from way back in the day literally I had I had so many DVDs of his in, in the noughties I was a bit obsessed but yeah really intense performance there's a moment actually in To Die For where he just starts shaking uncontrollably and I'm just like how did he do that like I don't think I could like shake uncontrollably on command but you know that's why he's one of our greatest actors that's what he got his Oscar 
um, for, but well, <laughs> maybe Be- not. Best shaking in a film. <laughs> yeah, very intense. No, but it's very intense. If, if there's one thing that whacking can do, it's intensity mm-hmm. and vulnerability, and, and both are on showcase in this film. Mm. Nicole Kidman is fun, brilliant, but the film itself just didn't grab me. And I don't think it really, it, it just feel like it didn't settle. I think the way it was portrayed as well, it was like lots of differing points of view. Something about the structure of it I didn't enjoy, um, but certainly worth checking out. So so those are my two picks from this weekend. Oh, lovely, that sounds both worth checking out. I'd love to see Whacking Phoenix doing some shaking. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't we all? <laughs> uh, Rory, you watched any films recently? Yeah, I watched... Um leave the world behind ah, I wanted to watch this because it seems to be one of the only films that Netflix has actually bothered to advertise I've, yeah. seen, I've seen it on buses and everything so I, I knew this film existed yeah it's the num- I think it's the number one at, um, on Netflix UK at the moment okay. um, I wasn't the biggest fan um, so the film is about, it's about a family getaway they go to a luxurious rental home and uh, just to get out I think they're very stressed they, they looked very stressed and yeah, they go and 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 it turns out life gets a whole lot more stressful. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> There's a cyber attack, um, and then some two strangers arrive at the door in the middle of the night. Um, but they own the house, so then they they're forced to come in, or they they ask if they can come in, and, and the family aren't happy about it. It's it it's just didn't. It was so stilted. The dialogue was so stilted. I felt. It was all expositionary at the start. Mm. It caught my attention because there is a, a really a, like an amazing scene and it's where they're all on the beach and they're staring at this oil tanker and it just approaches sort of slowly. And at first they're thinking, oh, that's a very close oil tanker. And then like two hours go by and it's like, oh, that is really close. What's going on? Mm. And then another two hours go by and then suddenly it dawns on them that it's coming towards <laughs> them. <laughs> You think they could have reacted a bit quicker, <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly, like, oh my god, we're going to get hit by this oil tanker. <laughs> um, so yeah, that. But I thought I thought that was quite interesting, and uh, I, I like Ethan Hawke as well. Mm. I think he's really good. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. he's good in everything, isn't he? He's yeah. Even, yeah. even if too. the film is bad, he's good. He's mm-hmm. he's he's just cool, dad. But yeah, I don't know. I felt like it was all. Of, it was quite a silly film. Um, it didn't make sense in terms mm. of the plot, in the way it mm. developed, the character development. It didn't make into much sense. And then it's all about, I guess, th- these hackers hacking satellites, mm. which led to, you know, Teslas smashing into each other. Mm. and mm. Uh, or, or car like self-driven cars just smashing by themselves and planes falling down. And, mm. and then suddenly there's loads of deer. Yeah, I don't know. And then the deer are really angry. Okay, uh, like in the day after tomorrow when all the wolves turn up and they're really angry. Yeah, and it's like, kind of like COVID. And I'm like, try- all I'm- the deers just oh yeah, all the, all, the, yeah. all the all the goats descended on them oh, um, on Hrandidno in Wales. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, I love that. But were they friendly? Um, reasonably, no, yeah. I don't well, think so. Well, I don't know. Everyone was at home, so they they didn't get the goats. Didn't manage to get yeah, into the people's homes. They just they just decided to roam around the the town and just go on the pier and play yeah. in the arcades and stuff. No, these deers were really upset about the whole satellite business. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> he had stocks in his satellite. Yeah. <laughs> so it just it, it just felt a bit. 
felt it felt a bit jumbled up. It didn't make entire okay. It didn't come together as a cohesive piece. Okay. My overall thing is, I, I would skip it personally. Okay. Well, yeah. I've got to admit, a lot of what you said has kind of sold it to me. And <laughs> I don't know. Damn I, it. Do, I do like. I you do, do like a trashy. You what's yeah. that? Questionable taste, Paul. <laughs> Actually, if you liked men. I think you might like yeah, this. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> that, that I, should be on the poster. <laughs> I like it a good bit of like tasteful trash, man. Like I really, you know, like the, yeah. the trashier side of M Night Shyamalan stuff. I like, yes. like like the happening and all yes. that kind of you, stuff. And oh, old? Did you see old? Oh yes, I saw. This old. is right. I, this is a bit oldy. Okay, yeah. <laughs> a bit right. like old. There's, I'm a, on board. there's a beach. Right. Okay. There's chaos. <laughs> there's a beach. There's deer. Yeah. Does it make any great. sense? Wicked. Yeah. Right. No. Thanks. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, you've sold it to me. Um, oh, brilliant. It sounds five stars. I was actually going to watch that film that I've forgotten what it's called, Leave, Leave the World Behind, because I didn't think I would be able to finish work early enough to go and see this film that I'm going to talk mm. about, but I actually did. And that film was Wonka. Uh, and I'll be honest, I, I didn't really have any interest in a new Willy Wonka film. I didn't really, you know, Fair. wasn't that excited about it until I heard that it was going to be directed by Paul King, formerly uh, of the Mighty Bush, and who went on to direct the Paddington films, which for me are up there with the Muppet Christmas Carol in, you know, bona fide objective masterpieces. And it's also also co-written by Simon Farnaby from, you know, well, British comedy. There's uh, a lot of British his... comedy uh, alumni in there. Yes, yeah, uh, I'm absolutely. a massive Peep Show fan, and I myself as well didn't fancy Wonka, but there's so many... Peep show, yeah. former Peep show cast well, members Super in, hands in it. Super Hands isn't in it, but it, no, it does um, have um, what's his name, the the boss Johnson. Johnson's Johnson. in it. Johnson's in uh, it, and uh, Sophie. Yes, it's, yes, and it's got Olivia. And Simon's in it. Yeah, Olivia Coleman and uh, and Simon, and it's also got uh, well another wonderful performance by Hugh Grant, who I just think is just getting better and better in his in his later career. He's just having more and more fun, and just you know, he's or just, less fun. I would say. I'd say he's getting say? grumpy. I I think he personally yeah, is yeah. not having. We're That's, having fun mm-hmm. at his expense. I feel like he just doesn't seem like he enjoys anything anymore <laughs> in life. Do you know what I mean? Like. He just seems constantly miserable, but I find that weirdly comforting. This is a little yeah. this is a little side note, but I actually read an article about his performance. He, he didn't like it. He didn't like the experience. He didn't know what he was doing. Apparently he What in Wonka? Yeah. Apparently um the director did like he, he didn't know where he was being filmed. He didn't he thought his body was existing in the film and apparently it wasn't. Oh and he right. just wasn't getting any direction. Oh right. So yeah, oh. he got he was a bit grumpy about it. Oh well. But he's grumpy about everything yeah. these days, isn't he? Oh, but I'm... that's that's why we like him. Yeah. Well I'm sorry to hear that, Hugh, but I thought you were very good in the film, so um so keep it up. Keep up. You carry on doing that acting that you do. Yeah. You're all right. You're all right. So obviously I wanted to go see it after hearing the pedigree that it was involved in it, because yeah. Paddington, just just perfect, perfect films. And this has all the beautiful hallmarks of those films. It's got the the impeccable production design, the you know immensely detailed world building that depicts a, a romanticized world that just doesn't exist and, and never will. And I don't know, I find something quite comforting about that. W- would you say it's shall amazing? <laughs> <laughs> that was the, the oh, worst fake laugh I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, no, I would. Tim Chalamet was very good in it. I'll, I'll give Don't you that. Don't you think he's the next movie star? 
Well, he is the movie star right now. No, but yeah, because like him and maybe Zendaya, because I think that's something that people have said, we don't have any movie stars anymore. Maybe. I feel like there's a few bubbling under. I feel like Anya Taylor-Joy could be a movie star. Yeah. Mia Goth, man. Mia Goth, I'd say. I don't know if she's a movie star Florence Pugh. Ryan Gosling? Florence Pugh's dead. Ryan Gosling is... I love Ryan Gosling. He's been Uh, bubbling under for a while, but Barbie's really... Like a movie star Pushed has to be out. someone that will it will, can, will sell a film regardless of what the yeah. film people just don't know what the film is about but will go and see that yeah. film because it's got him in it. So you you know yeah. you go and see the new Brad Pitt thing, but would you go see the new Timothy Chalamet? Film? I might do. I I think mm. I think he's the next Tom Cruise, and I this is my prediction. I think he's going to bulk up over the next few years and get in, get into the old action movies. I think I can see his career. Following the Tom Cruise trajectory. Well, I mean, he is in Dune. I'd say that's quite actiony. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, we're going to see more not, of that. Not, not bulked up. I yeah, suppose. we're going to see more of that. Yeah, maybe. That's my, that's so that's my your prediction. that's your prediction. Yeah. Trying to think of other movie stars. Like exactly. I would definitely go. I mean, I would see anything with Florence Pugh in. Yeah, that but. doesn't mean she's a movie star. <laughs> for that, just means you fancy her. <laughs> Florence, if you're listening, um, please email me. At pictureshow <laughs> at brawnradio.com. She's listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, this is... Yeah, this, this a could debate be a whole, for another time. Maybe that'll be section. our next... Yes. Are movie stars still a thing? Yeah. That is the question. Um, but anyway, I did thoroughly enjoy it. And like the Paddington films, it manages to have, a, you know, a beautiful emotional heart that never quite tips into the saccharine pun intended because mm. you know sugar and chocolate and stuff and yeah nice yeah, it's sweet so sweet so yeah that um, pun but... <laughs> wasn't intended was it <laughs> sweet um, but I will say it didn't connect with me emotionally on the level that the Paddington films did but I admit that's probably just for personal reasons like Paddington was far more of an integral part of, of my childhood than than Willy Wonka was and this film did make me cry at the end, but um, mm. but in Paddington too, I was just in floods of tears from the from the start. Really, oh like I was, a, yeah, I was a mess. <laughs> so it must have been quite <laughs> awkward for the people sat in, sat next to me, to be honest, because there was just you know it was a kid screening and there's just man on his own just audibly <laughs> sobbing. <laughs> <laughs> for most of the film I'm, surpri- I'm surprised someone didn't call security I know, I know. Mommy, oh, why is that God. man crying <laughs> I don't know no, honestly that was one of those yeah, film going that just got me so much the moment it started I was just a mess I was um, so I was kind of disappointed because I, I, I did because you weren't a mess yeah because I, I you know I did come to this film to, to have a really good cry <laughs> and then I had and a then li- had a little I one I just had a little bit of a cry and that uh, that wasn't quite enough really um, but I will say it's like it's one of the perfect examples of just how mu- in film criticism in general how much your mindset going into a film will affect your experience of it because I've had personally a lot of stuff going on in the back of my brain and also for about the first half an hour to 45 minutes, there were these two girls like along along the row 
talking to each other and illuminating their food with their with their phones mm. and it was just like it was it was the kind of thing where it wasn't quite frequent enough for me to go over but then still enough that every time they they started up talking again it just took me out and then it just made me that little bit angrier and it's quite difficult to get emotionally invested in a film when you're being distracted like that and there's you know that kind Fair. of thing can really stop you from from uh, from enjoying film. something properly so i i will fully admit that maybe if i'd seen this film on a different day with a different audience in a different context i would have come away thinking this is up there with paddington this is a five star masterpiece but as it was i just came away thinking um oh yeah that was really nice that's um, fair but that's yeah fair. just didn't cry enough same just you know just some You're too angry i, I actually <laughs> have a letterbox list of, of films that made me cry and I rate them by how much they made me cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. so that would have been a one-tier yeah, yeah, sad yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One-tier. Whereas some of the, you know, the best films on that list, you know, full floods, mm-hmm. two or three floods of tear face emojis. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just a one-tier exactly. sad face. One-tier one one. sad face. That's, that's, a good, that's a good rating system. Yeah. I, I enjoy that. I'm going to start employing it. Trying to think of the what else has made me cry recently. It's just not <laughs> not enough, frankly. Not it's enough. Just, it's, you know, there's nothing better than going to the cinema on, on your own and having a really good cry. Anyway, do um, you specifically <laughs> ch- do you specifically <laughs> choose the kids screening? So? <laughs> <laughs> that is the question. I always do worry because I go I go I go to the cinema on my own like quite a lot. And there's like I do wonder there's a, there's a certain level of kids film that you think it's just not appropriate for me yeah. to go and see this film on my own like you know Paw Patrol yeah. couldn't have got away no, with that no. as much as I was looking forward to that but um, and if you were uh, crying <laughs> just lots of tears at Paw Patrol exactly <laughs> exactly oh. um, that Wonka I felt was um, an acceptable yeah, yeah. Wonka's fine yeah acceptable yeah. film and you know if anyone questions me I'll be like oi. I'm a film journalist. Exactly. (laughs) Let me cry in peace. Yeah, I'm not on the radio. Let me have a bit of a cry. (laughs) I don't care if it's upsetting your child. (laughs) And on that note... Now uh, we're both crying. uh, (laughs) So now, without further ado, it is time to go on to Nadine's update of the local news and events. Yes, so quick roundup of the screenings the Birmingham UK screenings that we've got a lot of our local community cinemas like I said do check out our independent cinemas as well The Electric Everyman Mockingbird some great uh, alternative Christmas films being shown on the 17th of December we're going to be showing Home Alone so a fairly traditional Christmas film I'd say at the station in Kings Heath and all proceeds will be going to Kings Heath Food Bank and we welcome extra donations of cash and food as well. But what's more Christmassy than giving to others? The Journey Film Club will be showing Love Actually on the 19th of December at the Birmingham LGBT Centre. And the 21st, Sturchley Open Cinema are showing their own alternative Christmas film, Rare Exports, at Brum Brewery. So please do check that out on the 21st of December. On the 27th of December, Highbury Cinema will be showing Matilda the Musical at Highbury Theatre Centre, Sutton Coalfield. And one of my favourites, just the, I've never been there, but I just like saying 
Feckenham, uh, the Feckenodian. We love in- the Feckenodian. Yeah, <laughs> I hope you're listening, guys. Uh, the Feckenodian in Feckenham uh, will be showing uh, My Fair Lady on the 30th of December. So that takes you right through the Christmas period. And I just want to plug some of our own screenings. Coming up in January, we've got The Muppet Movie. On woo! The 6th, woo, woo, woo. On the 6th of January at the Hub Hazelwell. That's another charity screening. Uh, all proceeds going to Kinmos. And we'll have our fifth birthday in January. We'll have our fifth birthday screening on the 18th of January at the Cuban Embassy. And we'll be showing some Midland short films. And the last one was very, very well received. So do grab your tickets for that while you can. They're available now www.ticketsource.co.uk slash screen dash B14. It sold out last time, so, so do get on it with those tickets. And we'll be showing the red shoes on the 27th of January. And, and that'll be a, a great screening, so do check that out at Mersey Dance Centre. And all our tickets can be bought at ticketsource.co.uk slash screen dash B14. Rory, I believe you had something to plug. Yes, I do. Um, I am directing a short film called Ooh. Letters from Space, uh, speaking of short films. Um, and yeah, we have a crowdfunder. Uh, it's a sci-fi film about a family coming together and using sort of sci- science fiction, you know, as, as meta- using the metaphors in science fiction for that. Just Google Letters from Space crowdfunder, you'll find it. Um, but yeah, any money, anything just is, is worth it, or, it, or, it. Or, or even sharing it can i just say i read the script uh so i um mean rory re- meet up regularly and work on screenplays together and it is a cracker it's a brilliant script so i can't wait to see it. it's going to be amazing uh so i'll be donating some money to that lovely so rory you're saying this is something that could advance your career Hopefully, I'll have to go to a few more networking events. All right, cool. So, yeah. okay, so if you could just disregard that, listeners, <laughs> and um, uh, ignore what he's just said, because uh, uh, we want to keep him a, here. There's a real Brom Christmas. Oh no! Yeah, gonna, no, 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 that's this week. Yeah, I was gonna say oh, the, the the other thing is the sh- it won the City on Screen um, award. Well, it's part of three films um, where we got funding. So, yeah, if you want to be a part City of that, on screen. Yeah, there we go. Hmm. Which, you were a, which you were a previous uh, Yeah, well, we both, we both uh, worked on a previous City on Screen film, Blackout. I directed and Rory was my first AD. Oh. Uh, and it screened at the Birmingham Film Festival not so long ago mm. and was very well received. Lovely. So thanks very much for joining us for another episode of the Brum Picture Show. Do not forget to email us at pictureshow at brumradio.com. Check us out on Letterboxd. I uh, list every film mentioned in the show for no other reason than I like making lists. So yeah, check us out on Letterboxd or at ScreenB14 on all the major social networking platforms. And be sure to join us next time for a very special look back at 2023. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye from me, Nadine. And goodbye from me, Rory. Goodbye. You have been listening to The Brum Picture Show, a Screen B14 production for Brum Radio. Tune in next time for more film fun and don't forget to email us at pictureshow at brumradio.com. 
Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Did you know the Christmas present is a pun? <laughs> and it's a, a gift. Present, yeah. That's why they call it the present. Yes. Yeah. That was quite the insight, Nadine. Thank you. <laughs> you know when you're just reading something and it just you just while you're reading it, you're like, oh my god, this has just hit me. <laughs> I mean, it hadn't occurred to me either, to be honest. The ghost of Christmas present. Who knew that Dickens was such a punmeister? <laughs> I was trying to think yeah, of some, yeah. some Dickens puns. Yeah. We, got, we got any uh, off-the-cuff uh, Dickens puns? Uh, Olive or twist? What? <laughs> Have you not heard that joke? There's a, there's a, a cartoon and, and Charles Dickens is like really depressed and he's in a, a bar and he's like, oh, I've just run out of ideas, man. I don't know what to call my next no- novel. And the barman... He's serving him a martini or something, and he's like, Olive or twist? Oh. Oliver twist? Right. Oh, never mind. Thank you for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your podcast app.